The Spin-Off Podcast Network. When the Facts Change is brought to you by the Spin-Off Podcast Network in partnership with Kiwi Bank. The bank for Kiwi looking to get ahead in business and in life. A bank that delivers expertise and banking know-how, smart advice for business owners wanting to invest, grow their business or diversify. A bank that adapts with technology through the lens of its people and customers. It is a bank with heart that is driven by its purpose. Kiwi making Kiwi better off. Changing taxes is really hard. Increasing taxes is almost impossible. Introducing a new tax is, well, it's been absolutely impossible over the last decade in New Zealand. And when we think about the debates around the capital gains tax in the elections of 2011, 2014, and then 2017, you realise just how hard it is to get anyone to agree to a new tax. But in essence, there is a massive problem here with magical thinking. We love the idea that we can have public services, maybe even some infrastructure investment, but we don't want to have higher taxes to do it. And over the years, that's meant that we have continued to cut taxes, because that's one way to get elected, is to promise a tax cut, and provide services, or more importantly, keep a sinking lid on services. And this wasn't always the plan. Way back in the late 1980s, when our tax system was being reformed in a really big way, we slashed income taxes and we introduced a new type of tax then, goods and services tax. It's been increased a couple of times since then. But what it's meant is that we have built what appears to be a very efficient and sensible tax system, broad base, low rate, hardly any exceptions, certainly for GST, and a very simple system for PAYE. But in doing that, we've created a massive hole in our tax system, which is now skewing our economy towards lots more investment in dead land in particular. And it's meant that our tax system, which should be progressive, so that means as you get higher and higher up the income spectrum, you should be paying a higher percentage of your income in tax. But that's not the case, particularly because we don't have a capital gains tax. This week on When the Facts Change, I talked with Revenue Minister David Parker, who thinks about this a lot, and who a year ago asked Inland Revenue to do a study of what the actual wealth and income was of our richest people, our richest families. IRD went away and surveyed more than 300 families and found that on average they were worth a quarter of a billion dollars each. And that collectively those 300 families created income in the 2020-2021 year of $14.6 billion. But because there is no capital gains tax, we discovered this group, who are our richest 300 families, paid an effective tax rate of just over 9%. Now why is that? 
Well, it's largely because most of their income is structured as capital returns. So typically, that means some sort of sale of an asset which generates a gain on the capital values of that asset. It might be a purchase and a sale of land or some sort of company, and quite often there is no tax to pay. There's nothing to declare. So what that's meant is that over time we've built a system where those who are the richest with the most ability to pay taxes and who should be paying a higher percentage of their income in taxes than those on lower incomes have ended up paying less. The two studies produced this week by IOD and one by Treasury show that someone on an $80,000 a year PAYE income will effectively be paying 30% of their income in tax, both in PAYE and through GST, because they probably spend about three quarters of the money they earn. Those people who are on lower incomes will actually be paying quite high rates as well, often because they're paying tax through PAYE and they're paying 100% of their income out as spending, and that's captured by the 15% GST rate. What it means is that now, because of this hole in our tax system, those people who are the richest are effectively paying a third of the tax relative to their income of those on lower incomes. We've built ourselves a fundamentally unfair tax system, and we've locked it in for nearly two decades in that we haven't been able to introduce a tax on capital gains or on wealth or an inheritance tax, all of which are perfectly conventional and definitely in place in other areas. It's meant that our tax system has been not just economically locked in place, but politically locked in place. Now we know that in 2017, just before the election, then opposition leader, soon to be Prime Minister, Jacinda Ardern, decided three days before the election to bail out of Labour's policy of bringing in a capital gains tax in its first term. She promised not to do that and instead have a tax working group. And then in 2019, when that report finally came back, she promised that in her political lifetime, she would not bring in a capital gains tax. And that's why we didn't have a debate about it at the 2020 election. Now, everyone else in the Labour Party, pretty much, still hopes, still wants a capital gains tax to redress this fundamental unfairness in our tax system. David Parker is one of those. Uh, he hasn't expressed a particular view in this interview about what type of tax change he wants. He uh, says that this is a decision for Cabinet and for the Labour Party ahead of the election. So he's being very careful not to say what he would like to do. And we don't know what Chris Hipkins or the rest of the cabinet or the Labour caucus want to propose before the next election. But this research, ordered by David Parker and presented by David Parker this week, reframes the debate about tax. Up until now, a capital gains tax has been presented mostly as something that would hit middle New Zealand, that would stop them from being able to buy rental properties 
from being able to build up their wealth, being able to get on the ladder and help their families get on the ladder. But this research shows that the biggest chunk of untaxed income is actually concentrated around a relatively small number of people earning enormous sums and hardly being taxed at all. For example, if those 311 families had been taxed at the same effective tax rate as someone on a PAYE income of $80,000 per year, they would have paid $3.3 billion extra in tax in the 2020-2021 financial year. Instead, that money had to be borrowed, and those people who earned that money didn't pay tax on it, but were happy to use the public services that were paid for by the tax revenues that others paid for. So there is a, a new opportunity here to reframe the debate around whether those on extremely high incomes should pay a fairer share, rather than a debate about middle New Zealand paying a capital gains tax. Let's find out some more in an interview with David Parker I recorded on Wednesday afternoon, just after the release of two reports from the IRD and Treasury, and a speech by David Parker presenting those reports. That's this week on When the Facts Change. Well, kia ora, and welcome to When the Facts Change to David Parker, the Revenue Minister. David, uh, great to have you on. Nice to be here, thank you. It's been a busy day. You've just given a speech uh, after the release of two substantial papers looking at how wealthy and how much effective income New Zealanders make and whether or not our tax system is fair. Could you talk firstly about the one from IRD, which you <coughs> introduced and ordered about a year ago? Yeah, so um, a couple of years ago, we changed the law to enable the uh, Department of Inland Revenue to collect data on income and tax and assets of everyone uh, for, tax and, uh, for tax policy purposes rather than just tax administration purposes. Until then, uh, inland revenue could and on occasions were told by um, intermediaries like accountants and law firms that they were fishing for information that wasn't needed for tax administration purposes and therefore they couldn't have it. So uh, we changed the law to enable uh, Inland Revenue in New Zealand to have an information gathering power for policy purposes, as some overseas jurisdictions do. And using that, uh, uh, that power, the Inland Revenue Department contacted about 350 um, uh, wealthy uh, families. When they say a family, they mean an individual, their partner, and dependent children. Uh, uh, and they looked at their income and uh, tax affairs, some of which are very, very complex, over a six-year period and uh, determined what effective rate of tax they pay on their economic income. Why did you need to do this? Because we have StatsNZ doing a household economic survey, which seems to come up with some numbers on you know, uh, where the spread of wealth and income is. Well, a very good question, because when you drill into the Household Economic Survey, which is a good survey uh, for just about all cohorts in society, it's ineffective at the top. 
And when we started to look at these issues during the last government, uh, we found that the highest wealth individual ever found in that survey had um, a mean a wealth of about $25 million. Since then, they found someone else over, in fact, I think that one was $20 million. Uh, since then, they found one other person, but they've never found anyone with hundreds of millions of dollars or billions of dollars. And we know we live in a country that has some billionaires. So uh, that, that's not completely surprising. Uh, writers such as um, Thomas Piketty, Says and, and Zuckman, other you know, renowned economists in the space have uh, observed that survey-based measurements of wealth and income are ineffective at the top, partly because you don't generally get those people within the survey. Uh, and secondly, if you do, the complexity of their financial affairs is such that the questions in the survey don't really get to the bottom of matters. Uh, people in this cohort can have uh, 100 companies um, they can have a number of uh, different family trusts and you've got to really drill down into the, the information in respect of all of those entities in order to get to what the facts are. So 25 million sounds like a lot to me, but um, when the survey was done and you got back 311 responses, what did you find? Uh, yeah, well, I, IRD found that the average wealth within the, uh, the this, this group of people was $276 million. The, uh, collectively, this group of people have a wealth of $85 billion. Uh, and we found that the wealth sitting at the top end of the wealth spectrum was uh, substantially higher than anyone knew. Yeah, because two, quarter of a billion dollars... <laughs> on average, for the 311 families, that's a lot more than I was expecting. You know, New Zealand's a small place, and, um, you know, I know a few of them on the list, and uh, I didn't realise <laughs> they were doing that well. So is that a surprise to you? Because I grew up in a country where everyone thought everyone was pretty much earning the same and was as rich as each other, and no one was better than anyone else. But, gee, a quarter of a billion dollars was a surprise to me. Uh, I, I know and have worked with uh, some very wealthy people who I all like. I, you know, it's not, it's, not a, it's, a, it's not an animosity, no animosity. I respect them. Uh, they're hardworking, good people. Uh, they comply with the laws, including the tax laws. But the, uh, the concentration of wealth at the top end and the relatively low rate of tax paid on their economic income uh, is uh, something that has worried me. So because... Only 7% of their effective income is being taxed like, I suppose, the rest of us with PAYE. A lot of their effective income comes in the form of capital income, particularly capital gains. And I'm curious um, then, what is their effective tax rate? Uh, and how does that compare with, you know, um, an average earner, someone who's making most of their money? from PAYE, let's say someone on 80K. Yeah, someone on 80 or 100K, let's take the uh, the 80 figure, their average tax rate, if they're not earning lots of capital gains, is about 22%, plus the GST they pay. Uh, we'll, maybe we'll cover the GST mm. in a bit more detail, but you know, you've got to look at both income tax and GST to get a fair picture, because uh, if you're someone who earns your money through a salary, which most people do, and you're paying an average tax rate, you know, obviously the rate goes up the more you earn. And once you're, you know, the top of your income range, you're probably paying 
30, 33 cents or 39 cents in the dollar. But in addition to that, you're paying um, GST. So the average for that person on about 80K is about 22% income tax. Plus, they're spending about two-thirds of their income on GST inclusive goods and services. And the other third, uh, that's because whenever they're spending money, the things that they're buying, you know, fruit and veg or um, you know, petrol for the car, whatever it is, includes GST. Uh, and they're spending about two-thirds of their income on GST inclusive goods and services. The other third they're spending, depending on their income and their life stage, they're the, the other third they're spending on rent or a mortgage or savings. So two-thirds of your income spent on GST included goods and services at 15% works out to about 8 or 9% for, for, for most people. So that 8 or 9% is paid out of their income in addition to their income tax that is paid out of their income at the rate of about 22%. So the total uh, tax bill for most people in, in that situation is, is around 30%. Um, it's quite different at the top end. So that means uh, if you have, let's say, a 9% or so effective tax rate for your uh, average uh, of the 311 wealthiest families, 9% compares with 30% for um, your 80K a year PAYE taxpayer. If they had only PAYE, that would be, that would be right. If they have some of their own capital gains, um, then you know, it, it, might, it might be um, the comparative rate might be twice as high rather than three times as high. But the big, you're right that the big difference lies in the fact that for most people on a salary, their income's all on tax account, or just about all, uh, whereas for the, uh, the top end of town, only 7% of their income is on average, and 93% of their income comes from investment returns. And why this has been a, such an important piece of work by Inland Revenue is that in order to compute what are the effective tax rates paid on that economic, uh, that other economic income, that 93% of their income, you've got to delve into all of their companies, all of their trusts, uh, as well as their personal income. And that's what Inland Revenue's done here. And they've gone into each of those entities and they've looked at the tax that's been paid through the trust, the tax that's been paid through the uh, the companies and they've come up with this figure that overall the rate of tax paid on their economic income, which is mainly returns on investments, is is around uh, 9%. Do you think that um, that fact that most of their income comes from capital is an accident or that maybe the way that our tax system is structured where gains on the value of capital are not taxed has maybe tweaked or screwed the uh, weight of income and assets into capital mm. um, in, a, in a way the IRD talked about in the report, that it, in a way the, the way it's structured has, has skewed even more in that way. Well, if, if, um, if income, from you know, income from capital obviously comes from investments, and investments we know sit disproportionately at the top, I think this, the stats on... Wealth distribution show that the top 1% own 25% of all the financial assets. So if returns on investment are taxed at a lower rate than people who work for their income, uh, for, you know, and earn it through salaries and wages, 
then the benefit of that tax advantage falls hugely disproportionately to the, to the top few percent. Win the Facts Change is brought to you in partnership with KiwiBank to help you understand the issues affecting the economy. And that's what their team of experts is here to do too. Here's KiwiBank's Chief Economist, Jared Kerr, on what's happening with inflation in 2024. Globally, inflation rose to really high levels. We saw inflation averaging over 10% uh, last year. Now central banks have reacted. They've tightened monetary policy. They've lifted interest rates to levels where it hurts. We've seen growth slow down and we're seeing inflation coming off, which is great news because we import a lot of inflation from the rest of the world and that imported inflation is easing. So half the job that we're trying to do locally is is being done for us offshore. The other half, the domestic bit, well, that's the tough bit. That's the sticky inflation that's coming out of a housing market, it's coming out of construction, it's coming out of service industries, then it's going to be hard to contain. Visit kiwibank.co.nz to stay up to date with detailed economic analysis and forecasts from Jared and other KiwiBank experts. They take big issues from both here and overseas and make them relevant to Kiwi businesses. Are you making the most of your KiwiSaver investment? Generate is an award-winning KiwiSaver provider with a track record of strong long-term performance. Making a smart decision now could add tens of thousands of dollars by the time you reach retirement. Book a no-obligation chat with a Generate KiwiSaver advisor today at generatekiwisaver.co.nz slash advice. A copy of the product disclosure statement is available at generatekiwisaver.co.nz. The issuer of the scheme is Generate Investment Management Limited and of course past performance does not guarantee future returns. Raising capital or taking your business to the world? Investment Fix has the lowdown on everything you need to make it happen. This season, we're exploring the US market, the opportunities it offers, what it takes to grow a business there, and the best way to approach investors. Join some of the superstars of the investment and business world as they share advice from their time in the US so you can make your mahi count in this massive market. The Investment Fix Podcast, brought to you by Invest New Zealand. Tune in today. So stepping back, um, I'm not going to go into a Ducks and Drakes episode trying to get you to rule things in in or out. You said in your speech that today was a day for the uh, research, not a day for a policy announcement. (laughs) That'll come from somewhere else at some other time, from somewhere else, someone else. But can you give us a sense of what you think is a good set of principles for running a tax system, and what does this research say about where we are relative to those principles? Tax principles are pretty settled. Going back to Adam Smith, you know, hundreds of years ago, said that there are two two um, maxims. One is that things should be fair as between people in similar economic positions. They call that horizontal equity. So if if one person earns their money from a salary and they earn 100000 a year, and someone else earns 100000 a year from their capital, they should effectively be paying the same amount of tax. That's called horizontal equity. And if someone's working as a nurse, and someone's working as a builder, and they earn the same amount of money, they should pay the same amount of tax too. So that's, that's the first principle. And the second principle, uh, and I think Adam Smith used these words, each according to their means, 
which uh, was to to say that you know obviously the more you earn, the more tax you pay, and um, that's not just in nominal terms, but in proportional terms. Well, well, yeah, both. But uh, let's take it in in uh, in um, nominal terms for a start. If you're on a wage or a salary, and you do a bit of overtime, you pay tax on every extra dollar you earn. And you pay it at your marginal tax rate. So um, in, in nominal terms, if you earn more, you pay more. And we all know that. And we all, we all accept that on the basis that it's, it's pretty fair. We know that you know, hospitals have to be paid for and police and teachers and defence force, and roads, and it, it all costs money. And we all share in that. And we're all better off for it because we're a healthier, more educated population. And the economy works better because we're more productive people because we're better educating. We can do cleverer things. And... Therefore, we've got higher output and the value of our exports and things is higher compared with countries that aren't as well educated. And that works for everyone in the economy, including people who don't earn their wages through their salary and wages, but through returns on investment. So the first principle is, is really that. But you, your tax system should, certainly shouldn't be regressive. There are arguments as to how progressive it should be, how much extra rate of tax you should pay on your higher earnings. You know, the first $10,000 in New Zealand pays a relatively low rate of tax. You get up to middle incomes and people are paying 30 cents in the dollar, so it climbs. And there are arguments as to whether, you know, the highest rate at the moment in New Zealand is 39 cents in the dollar. Some people say that's too low. Some people say it's too high. But then you look at the capital side, and at the moment the rate that is paid by people who earn their money from investment returns is a lot lower than people who are earning it through wages and salaries. And that's the thing that this... Um, the study shows because although there's been a sense of that in New Zealand, no one's ever been able to quantify it until now, and now we have. Because it's the final uh, um, brick, if you like, in the Lego wall of what we know about the tax system. Because I've got a few grey hairs, and I remember the reforms that were done in the late 80s into the tax system, which lowered the income tax rates and introduced. A, a GST, and I always heard this mantra: that's a broad-based, low-rate system, which uh, didn't have a lot of exceptions, and therefore people were willing to voluntarily comply with the system. And that all seemed to make sense. Uh, and certainly, GST is really hard to hard to avoid. And if you pay POYE, it's um, the IRD has a, a fantastic. I wouldn't call it a Hoover; it's more of a Dyson of a system to to pull the money in uh, with its new computer system. But when you look across the broad swathe of our tax system, putting all the bricks of the Lego wall together, this last one of capital suggests that we don't actually have a broad-based low-rate system. And it's not only you know, uh, flat, if you like, it is regressive because of the way that our relatively high GST rates and the PAYE rates hitting those on middle incomes in particular you're actually got a regressive system, which means that the broad-based low-rate idea has sort of dissolved over the years. I mean, wouldn't it make yeah. sense, therefore, to put that last brick in the wall? The, um, the broad-based low-rate mantra uh, arose at a time when our system was broader relative to income source because we didn't have the concentrations of wealth 30, 40 years ago that we do now. The uh, GST rate that we have, it is, it is very broad, our GST, and it is a lower rate than it would be 
were it not so broad. So to gather the same amount of revenue, if you excluded things from GST, the rate would have to be higher. So GST is a broad base and the rate is low relative to what it would otherwise be. Our GST rate as a proportion of people's income in New Zealand is higher than it is in just about any OECD country. We gather about 30% of total tax in New Zealand from GST. The OECD average is 22%. So we gather a lot more GST as a proportion of total tax take. So if the GST take is regressive, which it is at the top, because people don't spend as much of their income, then, then the system overall should compensate for that somehow. How regressive it is, is it, and why is that? Well, you know, if you're, if you're, and I know this is an extreme example, but it is real. If you're a billionaire and you're earning a couple of billion dollars per annum or a billion dollars per annum or many hundreds of millions of dollars per annum and you were, you were trying to spend 1% of your income on GST inclusive goods and services, you'd be full-time on the supermarket trolley. It's very hard to spend that amount of money. Now, you know, That's people, why you buy a yacht. You might, buy, you might buy a yacht, you might buy a private jet, you might buy a flash house, all of which I'm, I'm not critical of, that's fine. But you only buy one super yacht, you know, you have one main house, you might have a holiday home, uh, you might have a flash car, it's all good, it's the, you know, it's the privilege of wealth and you know, being clever in that way. But you are, in effect, paying a lot less of your income in GST. So whereas I previously talked about the you know, middle-income person probably spending two-thirds of their income on GST at the rate of 15%, so their effective GST rate as a proportion of their income is about 9%. Uh, someone at the, at, at the top end, it's, it's less than 1% of their income that they're spending on consumables in their GST and so what appears to be a progressive system, simply when you look at the income tax rates on PAYE, when you step back and look at the broad swathe of taxes, mm. actually, because the weight of, of income for those at the top end is around capital, and the weight of spending at the bottom end is around spending 100% of your income on goods and services, mm. in effect, it's a regressive tax system that we ended up with. Yes. Mm. I'm, I'm curious um, about uh, what happens with, uh, if you wanted to change it, and in particular, 2010, the previous national government um, announced what it called a distributionally neutral tax switch. So reducing income taxes offset by an increase in GST, which, which on the face of it sounded right. And the, the phrase distributionally neutral, which I haven't heard from from a National Party politician for a while, seemed like a good idea at the time, although I haven't seen it analysed after the fact. What do you think of this, this idea broadly of tax switches? I'm not asking for, for your choices, but um, there are some things that seem to make sense and, and not. Well, I, I've previously argued for a fair tax system, and um, at times I have, um, uh, on behalf of the Labour Party, advocated for a capital gains tax. We didn't get that across the line. Uh, uh, but I make the point that that's not necessarily the right remedy uh, and uh, that we're not at the moment uh, announcing any remedy. You know, do those decisions whilst in government are taken by cabinet and at election time are taken by political parties who put their best foot forward to the electorate at that time. But I, 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 I have used the language of tax switch myself because to, to have a better tax system doesn't seem mean that you have to collect more tax overall. You can 
you can switch the tax from as it is now to a fairer mix of taxes and reduce the taxes of some people. You mentioned in your speech that New Zealand's overall tax take to GDP rate is around about 32%, which puts us in the bottom half of the OECD, although not right at the bottom, more sort of mm. mid mid mid. Uh, Pre- pretty much on average, actually. We're just a bit lower than average. It's tax as a percentage of the economy in New Zealand. And but we're not a highly taxed nation, according to the yeah. OECD. I wonder then, are we taxed enough? Because when you look at the... Uh, countries in the top half of the OECD in terms of the share of GDP going to tax, often they're quite high, but they're also associated with high levels of investment, high wages, high productivity. Is there a case to say, well, maybe we don't have a tax switch and leave it at 32%. Let's actually increase it and use that money to invest in public infrastructure that actually makes everyone more productive and in the end um, generates a lot more income tax and GST and um, any other type of tax you might want? Um, Well, I I, I wouldn't go that far. I I think taxes are pretty fair for the middle in New Zealand. I don't don't think, you know, I've got no desire to increase the tax of middle income people who are earning their money on salary and wages. So I do think that if the middle class is strong, the economy is strong, that um, a strong economy, as you have said, uh, leads to greater output and that there are things that could be done to improve the New Zealand tax system that would make our economy stronger and the outcome for people fairer. Just finally, what surprised you most out of these bits of research? The rate was the, the actual rate of tax paid by the wealthy was uh, a bit lower than I was expecting. I was expecting it to be low, but not quite that low. I, I'm really pleased that there's an increasing increasing understanding that you've got to take into account GST as well, especially in New Zealand, where GST is a bigger part of the tax take than it is overseas. But I suppose the thing that most surprised me was that the average uh, net wealth, that's wealth less than assets, was um, 200 and $76 million per person. Uh, one other thing that I thought was interesting in the study, the study finds that the higher the proportion of a privately owned company owned by a wealthy person, the lower its rate of profit and dividend, which uh, I, I suppose at one level shouldn't surprise us because there's an incentive to run those, it's a tax incentive to run uh, those entities in a way that minimises taxable income and tax and maximises capital growth. David Parker, Revenue Minister, thank you very much for being on When the Facts Change. My pleasure. When the Facts Change was brought to you by the Spin-Off Podcast Network, together with KiwiBank. Visit kiwibank.co.nz to find out how KiwiBank I'm making Kiwi better off. Ready to rediscover the joys of cycling? With over 300 kilometres of cycle paths across Tamaki Makoto, jumping on your bike and going for a ride is such a fun way to discover the city from a different perspective. Cycling is getting more and more popular across Auckland, so now's a great time to join the hype and give cycling a go. Head to at.govt forward slash cycling to find your nearest cycleway today. The Spin-Off Podcast Network.